the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The answer. And we're on. We got a little jingle bells going here. Get getting into the spirit of the season. Uh, we did a little decorating over the weekend. You know, Ken, it used to take me two days to decorate or more to decorate the house when we lived in a big house, but it took us a couple hours to put some lights out on the little plants and shrubs out front and we've got a, a balustrade that a concrete balustrade that stretches between the next door neighbor and my house and so we got that all prettied up and i bought a few poinsettias oh boy and you know and i don't even believe in in uh certain aspects of christianity but i sure love the season you like you like getting presents i'll bet you know what i don't even care anymore about that um we decided that we would buy a bread maker this year for our present to each other because I used to make bread and, and uh, we cannot always get the, the nice whole wheat bread at, at Publix because they only make three or four loaves. And we asked them, why don't you make more? And they said, well, nobody buys them except you. <laughs> so, okay. Well, then we will uh, get our own. There you go. So there. Well, that's great. You got so, so this, I got so much stuff anyway. I don't need anything else. No, I don't need anything. I I need nothing really. I mean, I need I need cheese sandwich, beer, and a television, and the love <laughs> of a good woman named Emi Young Ju. <laughs> In that order? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. Depends good. on the day and the time. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you know what happened on this day, December fourth, in seventeen eighty three? Believe it or not, I don't. No. <laughs> What happened? George Washington gave his farewell address to his troops as senior officers at Francis Tavern in New York City. Now, you may not know this, but Francis is on, uh, let me see what street that's on. That is Broad and Pearl. It's on the corner of Broad and Pearl. So it's down and, you know, way down in Manhattan, close to Battery Park. You know, Battery Park is where you take off to go on the boat ride out to see the Statue of Liberty. And the other big attractions down in that area or the World Trade Center. So a few, few blocks from there, um, you've got uh, Wall Street and the statues and, and the historic area where actually years later, Washington gave his inauguration address. You know, the first capital was New York City. Did you know that? That I do know, yes. And of course, there's a Statue of Liberty Cruises, there's Battery Park, um, there's Trinity Church, where if you walk through the uh, the uh, graveyard there, it's its like a, a, a who's who of famous late 17th and uh, 18th, I mean, late 18th and 19th century Americans. All kinds of people are buried there. Really neat. Alexander Hamilton, Fulton. You remember Fulton, the steamboat and all that? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get there. We went there a few years back, went up to the uh, top of the new World Trade Center and all that, but we didn't get over to the uh, church, so I'm sorry I didn't do that. Yeah, it's a cute little church. Um, 
and the, the the graveyard is really the the highlight. That's that's a real history lesson for those of you who are history buffs. At any rate, so at Francis Tavern uh, on this day in 1783 at noon, uh, they have a an upstairs room that can hold 100 people, and he had 30 of his officers. And he came in and he had a sip of wine and he turned around and he gave a short farewell speech uh, and said how much he cared for his troops and how grateful he was. And Henry Knox, who you know, of course, is the or was the first Secretary of War, Secretary of Defense, uh, who was, I would guess, Washington's closest uh, uh, comrade in arms. He was one of his generals, came up. And they were both in tears. They embraced and kissed. The whole room was in tears. Everybody was crying. And he said, I cannot come to each one of you, but I welcome each of you to come up here and bid me farewell and I'll bid you farewell. And so they shook hands and hugged. And and after that, he uh, exited. He went to grab a boat down to Annapolis, Maryland. And from there, he grabbed a, a carriage to his uh, beloved Mount Vernon. So this was a very historic day and one which, although we don't count it as a national holiday, it's it's special and important to me personally. So that's, okay. that's what happened today. Now, what happened this week in, in the life of Dr. Bill? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, you know, my knee, I talked about it last week, I think. Yes, giving some trouble. Yeah, you know, I, I'd had uh, like, 100 cc's, which is about three ounces of fluid taken off of it by my orthopedic surgeon. And uh, then the wife took another 20 ounces off of it, uh, what, Friday a week ago. And then I went in to see him Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember exactly which day. And I'd called him up and I said, I want you to shoot that uh, artificial joint fluid in there that's called Synvisc1, S-Y-N-V-I-S-C-1. And that's like a lubricant, uh, a cushion, and get me through the season because I can't stop and have a knee right now. We got all the Canadians and all the northern United States patients coming back, and, you know, they count on me. It's your busy time of year. Yeah. And, you and, and Santa. Not, yeah. Yeah, not only do they count on me, but, you know, the wife would shoot me. Oh, what working. So I got to hobble around and make it through the season. So he injected it. Now, you say, well, why didn't you get the cortisone shot. Well, I'd had that a few weeks back, and that's one thing you can do if there is acute inflammation. Uh, but if you have bone on bone, it probably isn't going to help a whole lot. The other thing that we're doing now is this platelet-rich plasma. So what the orthopods do is they draw some blood out of your arm, and they take it, and it's anticoagulated, so it doesn't coagulate, and they spin it down, and the heavier white blood cells and red blood cells go to the bottom, and the lighter plasma floats to the top, and the plates, platelets are very small, so they're up at the top. Then they they decant that part out, off of it, and they inject that back into the knee can, and it does seem to help some people. It has some anti-inflammatory effects, and it may even have some uh, uh, new growth effects, but we don't know for sure. There are some hormones and proteins in the platelets that seem to be helpful. Now, I elected not to have that because I've had a few patients tell me, well, it only lasted two or three months, and I really need to make it about four or five months. So I went with the uh, with the Synvis. But those are the three things you can do 
if you got a bad knee and you need some help and you're not ready for a knee replacement either because it's not mature enough or you're busy like me or you're just a chicken (laughs) (laughs) and you don't want surgery but uh speaking of courage so this sheepdog in in georgia uh pack of coyotes eight coyotes attacked his sheep herd and he fought them all off Ken. he killed all eight of them get out i hadn't heard this yet really yeah they beat the crap out of him and he wandered off for a couple days and I guess the sheep, uh, the 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 herdsman, the owner, he found pieces of tail and blood, oh. this and that, and they finally uh, found him. I guess he wandered back home, and uh, then they had to do a GoFundMe because it was like fifteen thousand to have everything repaired. And I'll bet him. they got every dime of it. Oh yeah, are you kidding? Now if you went on there for your sick kid, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> don't, but don't Wait, mess with a dog. That's right. Oh, do not mess with the dog. And his name is Casper. Cute dog. But uh, it is a anyway, cute breed. Yeah. I like it. I like the breed. Yeah. And uh, you, you got to love it, Ken. I mean, it's just amazing what animals and humans will do to protect those who they love and care about. Protected the whole herd. Wow. That is the whole herd and fought off eight coyotes. There's your sheep dog of the year right there. Hey, we've got, uh, we've got a pack of coyotes in our neighborhood <laughs> really we do they live i mean they're like right across the creek you can at night you can hear them and see them they'll come up up to the creek uh and the in the little ponds and they'll start howling and and uh, you can shine a light out there and see their eyes uh during the day they're getting very bold they'll even run across the golf course and i've had a couple of them run in front of me when i'm riding my bicycle so you got to watch out for gators. You got to watch out for coyotes. In our in our neighborhood down in Sun City, you got to watch out for wild pigs. Yeah, you got tons of wild pigs down there, and yeah. they bite. The boars will bite you. Yeah, and they're ripping up lawns and all kinds of damage. Oh yeah, they they're uh, they're not nice, and they're they're tearing up all of the state parks too. So. There's got can, they can't be hunted, of course, because probably where they are, you, you can't you shoot. Can them. Them. You can't you can't shoot a gun off in the middle of a neighborhood like that. Sure, you can. You're defending your home from a wild boar. Yeah. <laughs> can I take some relatives out? Hey, just joking. Well, wait a minute. One of my friends, <laughs> Kevin, he was one of the uh, one of the uh, executives at the hospital. He was an assistant administrator. And he was an ex-Marine. He graduated from the Naval Naval Academy. And he had a 7.62 or 7.62. Is that right? Do I have that right? I'm sure the captain will chime in later. I'm sure he knows. Yes, sir. And he had a, you know, he had a sniper scope and he even had a silencer on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you must be really mad with some squirrels. And you... <laughs> but uh, the reason he got it was because when he goes shooting, you know, target shooting, it doesn't make as much noise, so it's easier on his ears. Sure. But okay. uh, I said, how'd you get a silencer? I thought they were illegal. He said, you have to apply to the uh, ATF, and it's about a $1,000 license, and they have to check you out. So they do a whole FBI background check and make sure you haven't been locked up in a crazy bin and all that. All right. Well, you protect your hearing. Good idea. Yeah. So that was a good idea. Meanwhile, uh, 
our former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, he says, don't underestimate Joe Biden. He's getting a lot of what he wants. And uh, there might be some truth to that. And I, I think that if you dissect out the uh, the post-midterm elections, the one thing that keeps coming home is that the more the Democrats tied the Republican candidates to Trump, the more difficult it was for them to win the independents and the conservative Democrats, even though, as we're seeing, as Elon Musk is showing us, that this just, uh, you know, a lot of misinformation and lies that's being put out by social media and the liberal press. But nevertheless, you got to admit, I mean, we thought that we were going to have a landslide and we didn't even get the, the Senate. I mean, we got the House. By the way, the last two seats in the House are Republicans, so there's a nice cushion there. What about what's going on in Georgia? Where are we there? Um, that's Tuesday is the final day for the voting. Uh, I think the early voting has closed for the weekend, and it looks like uh, uh, what's his name? The the Democrats ahead right now. Warnock, whatever. I think it's Warnock. Yeah, Warnock, and. Uh, so the the Democrat is ahead and the Republican is uh, about three or four points back. But I don't know. You never know. Well, yeah, it's like an election day itself. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you never know what's going to happen because you may have a big turnout. Of, as they say, a lot of Republicans don't like early voting. They want to go on the day of the vote. Uh, why? I'm not sure. But I hear that in the in the lunchroom from some of the doctors. They like the idea of standing in line with their fellow citizens. I'm like, give me an Uzi. <laughs> Get him out of the way. Let me vote go. I'm kind of with you, Doc. I think we, uh, I think you know, early voting is probably okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we always vote by mail. Um, we've got, we get our ballots absentee and, uh, and we do that deal there, you know, fill everything out. A lot, of people, I, a lot of people don't understand the process of how it gets counted. And I think we need to maybe, Make it the same everywhere across the country. You either count the, the the ballots that are mailed in first, or you count them last. But that's what's causing some of the delays when people don't understand why these vote counts are changing. Is because it's the early voting counts being done in uh, some states after the election closes, and some states before. Well, in Florida, if there's a clear winner uh, and the absentee ballots will not uh, will not tip the 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 uh, election to the guy who lost, they don't bother counting them. Yeah, that's true. I think with some military votes as well, if it's uh, overwhelmingly. Yeah, that, yeah it's, those are absentee ballots yeah. too. But so, yeah. It, it It's fascinating. The problem with that, Ken, is that the Constitution is very clear that although the federal elections ultimately are governed by the Constitution and Congress does have the ability to make some rules and regs regarding that, the um, the actual right to how you set up your voting is state by state. Now, you might argue that the 14th Amendment says that the laws have to apply equally to everybody, but you'd probably get a big argument from a lot of states saying, whoa, wait a minute, this is stepping on our toes. The Supreme Court would never go for it. You're right. Yeah. You'd have to have a, a an amendment of some kind. Now, you might be able to tweak the law a little bit, but not, not enough to standardize elections. Yeah, I think if you're going to standardize them across the country, then you're going to have to have an amendment to the Constitution. Now, the the uh, Motor Voter Act back in the 90s, and I think it was tweaked again in the early 2000s, 
that the federal government did allow you to register uh, when you get your driver's license or you get your state ID card to register to vote at that time. Now, that's not the same as telling the states you have to count all the ballots at this point in time. What, it, what it's saying is that if somebody has a valid ID uh, when they're registering for their, their update, their new license or whatever, they should have the right to register to vote. And, you know, that, that seems reasonable to me. I would uh, think uh, that voting in person is fine and can be mandated if we all get the day off. Make it a national holiday. Well, yeah, that and Super Bowl Monday should be a national. Absolutely, holiday. both of them. Yes, and my birthday, and your birthday, and my. Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's ten federal holidays that you can legally fly the flag at your house. Did you know that? Just ten? I thought there'd be more by ten. No, there's ten, and guess what? What Mother's Day is one of those, but not Father's Day. Well, it's a, it's an abomination. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm talk that- to my congressman. That pretty much tells the whole story, Ken. It, it does, doesn't I, it? <laughs> you've got it right there. And we like it that way. That's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll let them think they're the special top people in the world. Because they are the special top people in the world. Shh. My wife may be listening today. so we'll Yeah, mine isn't, so <laughs> I can get away with it a little bit. <laughs> so my friend Sophie, who is who was born and raised for part of her youth in China. She's uh, the pathologist at our hospital. Nice gal and uh, just bright as a whip. And, you know, pathologists, they're they're sort of like the doctor's doctor. So they'll tell us when we send a biopsy and they'll say, this is cancer. It's not cancer. You need to take more. You need to take less or, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so she still has a lot of family in China. And I was talking to her, you know, they're riding over there now. Yeah, apparently, apparently spontaneous riots. Yeah, and uh, unorganized. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's you know dozens of cities and several provinces or pro- their provinces or their states. At any rate, I said, "What do you think?" And she said, "Well, my uncle lives in a, in a high rise, and, and this is pretty true not only in China but also in South Korea." And I don't know, maybe North Korea and several other of the uh, more developed Oriental Eastern, we're not supposed to say Oriental anymore, um, Asian cultures. Uh, at any rate, so they build these high rises and they, they may be a condominium and you can buy your unit or an apartment and you rent it. And there may be a thousand people in a high rise. And so one person in her uncle's building came down with COVID and they locked everybody in the building. That's a little extreme. And and she said, and they had to get COVID tested every day. And so I'm thinking, well, let me see. This guy's got COVID. So he's probably given it to a couple other people in the building who may not be symptomatic. And everybody's lining up once a day to get a COVID test. How does that prevent COVID? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. But at any rate, I said, what do they pick? You know, what are, what are the people saying? What are they doing? And she said, Bill. It's hard to argue with a gun in your face. <laughs> no. It's it's hard to it's hard to dissent with a gun in your face. And that's again why it's so important that we maintain our second amendment rights, even if we do have, you know, a few hundred uh, mass murder shootings from these things. That's to me, that's just the price of of maintaining the democracy that we have. In my humble opinion, Ken. Do you think um 
uh, there's, I don't know if you were listening to the news at the top of the hour, but they had one expert on there who said China could collapse because of something like this. Well, you know, they've they've fallen apart and come back together several times. They had uh, a horrible civil war in the 7th or 8th century, which was probably the largest uh, death number of deaths in a war prior to World War One and World War Two. It was, you know, like uh, 9 or 10 million people, maybe more, I don't know, 20 million. At any rate, the next largest, uh, it must have been more than 20 million because the uh, 30 years war in Europe took 20 to 25 million people. And that was the largest uh, Western war time casualties uh, prior to World War One and World War Two. And remember, that was before you had heavy artillery and all that. No, no. So, uh, but I, I think that it's possible and, uh, you know, they have dozens of different dialects and languages. And I was talking to one of the saleswomen in the in the western part of the country, west being, you know, like five provinces away from from uh, the Pacific coast. And I was this was when there was up, uprisings in Hong Kong and the communist government was stepping on the people in Hong Kong. And I said, what do you think about what's going on in Hong Kong? She said, oh, that's a thousand miles from here. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that, you know, that pretty much answers right. that question. I, I, you know, I don't think it's the unified country that we think it is, but what's holding it together is the military and the economics. The people want to, uh, uh, they want to continue to move forward economically and become a developed, fully developed country, and they're getting closer. But, but I just, I don't understand there's obsession with zero COVID. I mean, nobody's going to have zero COVID ever. I don't think. Well, they don't have the resources that we have to uh, create the uh, RNA vaccines, which are much more effective. And and on top of that, you've got uh, people on both in in the liberal and conservative press because I heard on Fox too saying, well. You know, the vaccinations don't prevent the spread of COVID. That was never the intention. The intention was to cut down on the severity of the illness and cut down on the uh, number of hospitalizations and deaths, which it did. And, you know, ultimately, a million people dying is not a big deal when you have 340 million people. I know people say, well, what if it was your father or your mother? I'm like, well, if it was the father, that's fine. <laughs> you can take him. But mom, you know, I'd be a little sad, but... Look, the, the first thing we had to do was to protect the healthcare community, Ken. I mean, if we overwhelmed the healthcare community and we had a lot of doctors and nurses dying. Then we're all in big doo-doo. Yeah, we're all in deep doo-doo so because when you have your acute appendicitis or your gallbladder or you got a cancer that needs to be cut out or you're having a heart attack or a stroke, you need somebody and you want somebody to take care of you. And still heart attacks and strokes are the, the bigger killers than the virus, although the virus did a pretty good job, you can't argue with a million people. That's that's pretty good kill ratio. But you got to remember too that was such a small percentage of the population who contracted this disease. I mean, you're talking about point oh 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 one percent of the population. It's I mean it's minuscule, although it seems very dramatic, and the press likes to put it out there like this is a you know this is a, a terminal. Uh, existential event. We're all going to die from this. But of course, that was the same thing I said about HIV and about the Ebola virus. And of course, none of that came to pass. So 
But this was really a much bigger deal because it was so infectious. Well, why didn't China just buy ours then if, if theirs isn't working? Well, because they don't want to give us the money. And our two companies that have produced this don't want to license the the uh, technology to them because they'll just steal it. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So if you try to fly over a billion doses of this vaccine, I mean, you, you're going to lose most of them because there's not the distribution uh, infrastructure that we have here. So you have to keep it, if it's Moderna, I mean, if it's Pfizer, you have to keep it at minus 80 degrees. Well, you're going to have to find thousands and thousands and thousands of minus 80 degree freezers. It's It would be a logistical nightmare. Yeah, I guess they're not set up like it for it, the way we are. No, no. And most of Americans, they don't have any idea about how advanced and how fortunate we are and how much we have and uh, the resources. And, you know, I hear people say, we're the most racist country on earth. And I told you, I was talking to the guy from Zanzibar and he said, doesn't matter whether you're white or black. Once you leave the United States, the world sees you as an American. That's it. They don't care what color you are. They don't care, you know, what your racial background was or your educational level or whatever. When they hear you talk and you sound like you're speaking American English, you're an American. That's the end of it. So we're going to have to uh, reconcile our our internal angst over having had slavery as a partial foundation of the republic uh, with the actual reality of who we are and what we are. And now, speaking of China, you know, iPhone factory workers, uh, they're, they clash with police and at the plant and... Uh, I think they closed the plant down because of the uh, the COVID virus. Uh, the, the military and the police came in and shut everything down. There and, are plants where people are, are living there. They're actually just sleeping there. Oh, yeah. And they're bringing food in, and then they just go back. They go back and forth in shifts. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, and then if somebody gets it, you know, then, then they just lock down the whole damn plant. Yeah. <laughs> But I think Apple's thinking about moving some of their uh, manufacturing out of uh, China and looking at Malaysia and, and uh, Vietnam and some other areas. How about the United States? Don't go pushing it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid they open a few more plants here. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you know we want we don't want to get too jiggy here. We don't want to get too fast. We don't want the price of that phone going up too high, right? Or low. That's right. Doc, it's almost time for a break, but before we do, how about a question? Okay. Uh, what's the answer? Well, we're not going to. We're trying very hard not to do that this week. <laughs> All right. Tell me. <laughs> remind me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is up for two. Count them. Two. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. First Caller with the correct answer at 877-969-8600 wins. That's 877-969-8600. And the question today always deals with something that happened in the first part of the show. And today's question is, what part of Doc's body needed an injection this week? What part of Doc's body needed an injection this week? 877-969-8600. First caller wins, 877-969-8600. Give us a call right now. And uh, Doc, I think we'll be back. 
We'll be back. I'm Dr. Bill, and I don't want anybody to come in with any perverse kinds of injections now. <laughs> Keep it clean. Keep it clean. That's right. <laughs> Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The head of U.S. intelligence says Russia's war against Ukraine is running at a reduced tempo now and suggests Ukrainian forces might get the upper hand in coming months. Averill Haynes says Russian President Vladimir Putin, quote, is becoming more informed of the challenges that the military faces in Russia. She said it's unclear whether he has the full picture, though, and what exactly he will do when and if he gets that. Thousands of demonstrators representing organized labor marched in South Korea's capital yesterday denouncing government efforts to force thousands of striking truckers back to work after they walked out in a dispute over the price of freight. And many people on the big island of Hawaii are bracing for a major upheaval if lava from Mount Aloha Volcano blocks the quickest route connecting two sides of the island. Lava's moving slowly, but it could hit the roads as early as this week. This is SRN News. Hey, I'm 860 The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading the Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Today it'll be sunny to partly cloudy with a high 81. Tonight it'll be partly cloudy with a low 64. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high 80. On Tuesday, partly sunny with a high 82. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high 84. Thursday, partly sunny with a high 82. And on Friday, partly sunny with a high 81. That's your accurate forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM 860, The Answer. 
Again, I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. We're doing a radio show today. By the way, Ken, one of our listeners and one of my patients, he uh, he said he went to the YouTube site. He could see me, but there was no audio. So that's just a heads up for those of you who are looking at me or looking for me on YouTube. Facebook, you can get me, and also drbillyradiomd.com. I believe that site is working well if you want to see the live video. Or just play the radio while you're looking at your Facebook thing. Well, you can do that, and also, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And you know what? I think Joe got me on Spotify, but I don't know. I don't know how to go and check it out. We'll have to ask him. Yeah, because uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I can't help you on you that don't one. Know. I mean, you, you're still struggling with <laughs> I'm still struggling with radio. That's right. And they're color-coded. And I've been doing it for 40 years, so go figure. <laughs> hey, we have a winner, Doc. Who we got? We have uh, Nancy Boisef. Nancy Boisef. Of Seminole, Florida. Nancy, welcome. Thank you. And she knew that the doc had an injection in what body part, doc? My knee. That's right. All right, Nancy, you're going to be getting two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs in the mail. And uh, we thank you for calling and playing. And everybody who called in, thanks you very much. We appreciate it. We love you, Nancy. We love you. Thanks for listening. And for everybody out there who is joining us on Sunday morning rather than going to church and and um, Sunday school, and of course, this is actually more interesting. But <laughs> <laughs> now, don't go this in church here. No, but, I mean, church is a wonderful thing, and I think you should all go. Especially. But afterwards, make sure you tune in to Doc. Yeah, go early or late. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess what? We've unveiled uh, our B twenty one Raider. It's which, cool looking. Yeah, it's a l- stealthy long range aircraft, and they won't say what the ceiling is on it. And they won't say how far it can fly, <clears throat> but I'm guessing this thing can fly up the edge of the atmosphere and probably go. If you get up to the edge of the atmosphere, of course, you end up having much less friction, so you can go a lot further. Basically, you're just soaring when you get up real high. So this thing could probably circumnavigate the globe before it had to come back down and, and uh, get some more fuel. I don't know if there's anything special about the engines, and I haven't read much about it. They haven't, well, like you said, they haven't released much about it, and that's a good thing. No, and this is the first new uh, bomber in, what, 20, 30 years now. Uh, I think that it's uh, based on the B-2, which is a flying wing, which is pretty cool. By the way, the Germans tried to uh, get that flying wing going, and uh, when we got Werner von Braun and all the other German scientists over here after World War II, we just said, well, why don't we just do it? I mean, let's not let the Germans do it. Let's do it ourselves. We'll just bring Germans over here and make them do it for us. Apparently, uh, we developed not only the space program, but we did have some flying wings back in the late 40s, early 50s, but they were not uh, stable enough. And now that we have computerized uh guidance systems and steerage and, you know, pitch and yaw and and flaps and all that, the computers can actually keep these things uh, upright and flying straight. So that's been a great uh, advancement. I imagine the stealth is better. It's a second-generation stealth over the last bomber. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm glad glad to see it. Yeah, oh, yeah, pretty neat-looking planes. I think we're going to build 100 of them. They're going to build 100 of them? I think that's what they said, yes. You know, our Air Force has been shrinking since World War II. Tremendously. But, you know, we had such a huge Air Force in World War II. We had well, bombing more. techniques were different, too. We had 10,000, 20,000 planes. I mean, I think we produced more planes in 
in one month than all of Japan did in five years of war with us. So we had tons of planes. They were falling out of the sky. There were so many of them. They were bumping into each other, Ken. Well, we don't want that. Mm-mm. No, now we now the bombing techniques are so precise. Back then, you had to carpet bomb everything. Well, you know they had some pretty good guidance systems, and uh, we just didn't uh, we just didn't share it. We you know, we kind of downplayed it. Oh yeah, it's not that accurate. But at the, at the towards the end of the war, there were some fairly accurate. There were even uh, radar guided uh, bombing systems that we didn't really let anybody know about. The British knew because they helped us develop it. Yeah, the British were uh, far ahead of us in a lot of things, it seems, at that point in history. They had radar. They had the jet long before us, long before Germany, I think, they had the jet. Yep. So. They had the jet, and uh, they just didn't have any money to build anything. Then. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they were the leading third-world country then. and <laughs> <laughs> Canada's trying to catch up to us. <laughs> so... Uh, I see where Biden signs the legislation that put the quietus, uh put killed the the railroad union strike under the Railway Labor Act. Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, joined in on that to keep the railroads up and running. And now the labor unions are not happy with Biden because they feel betrayed and they wanted to have paid sick days. And I guess they didn't get that. Well, they wanted 15 of them. Dang, dude. How sick are you guys, you know? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be operating trains. Yeah, you got to wonder is if they need that many sick days. I, can, I don't think I've used more than one this year, so. Can they actually uh, run a train? That's what I mean. Yeah. Get them out of there. Is there going to be anybody in the in the dining car to cook? <laughs> well. Say, well, we're all sick this week. Make your own. They apparently got a nice hike in wages, but they also wanted 15 sick days. So, Well, I guess they got some of what they wanted, but not yeah. a, not everything, huh? Yeah. And that's good negotiation. That's what a negotiation is. You get some of what you wanted. Yep. Meanwhile, back in, in, in the Ukraine, I guess things are kind of slowing down for the winter. And uh, the Russians are trying to take back some little town and... Ukrainians have shot down three or four hundred of their aircraft. A lot of them were drones, but still, you know, that's 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 a pretty good uh, lesson for the Russians. And the Ukrainians actually still have some of their planes. I'm sure they're parking them over in Poland, but because uh, <laughs> I think the Russians are smart enough not to bomb Poland yet. Oh, no, they won't do that. No, no, they're not going to. <laughs> nope. No, they are not going to attack a NATO country. No, they better not. Or we're going to have to go over there and give them a little bit. But they could, if they wanted to, put all the resources and efforts into it. They could no, they waste didn't. Ukraine with no problem at all. Just, well, conve- well, just with conventional bombs. It, well, you have to con- be mindful of their inaccuracy and of the ones that work and don't work and of the personnel that are operating them. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the Ukraine. I understand that uh, the West has agreed to cap the price they'll pay for Russian oil at $60 a barrel. Of course, the Russians don't like that. They're all upset. They're pitching a fit. And uh, the Ukraine wanted to be capped at $30 a barrel. We'll see what happens. Oh, it'll be 60 Yeah. No. Yeah, for now. Right. 
But you don't think you don't think that Russia could just obliterate even without um, nuclear weapons, just uh, wipe it off, pretty much wipe it off the map with conventional weapons. Of course, they would lose a lot of bombers because well, Ukraine's pretty good at shooting down these planes. You're right. Yeah. No, I don't think they. I don't think they could. I think we would. Uh, I think we'd up their their uh, the Ukrainian anti aircraft uh, capabilities. Yeah. But I mean, even their jets. You know, the, the the Russian jets are not that great. They make a big deal out of it at the air shows and try to make it sound like they got the preeminent uh, war machine, but they don't, as we've seen. Yeah, it's, it's rather embarrassing for Russia. So this is this has slowed down the uh, the uh, negotiations over a nuclear arms deal between the United States and Russia, and uh, you know the Russians are we're going to use tactical nuclear weapons. Well, hell, they're in a warehouse. We know exactly where they are. I mean, at first, I got to get them out and dust them off and <laughs> get some WD-40 and make sure that they actually work. And in London, they arrested a wealthy Russian businessman for financial misdeeds. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, there's a lot going on uh, under the radar that we don't know about. And by the way, you know, almost 60% of Americans uh, approve and want us to stay involved in the Ukraine. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. We love it, underdog. Well, plus it's a democracy, and we're supposed to, I think, take care of democracies. Exactly. Sure. Oh, no. We're we're behind them. We better be, or I'm going to go up there and, well, I can't say it, but I might want to bitch slap that Joe Biden. Well, yes. Congress could get in the way of everything, so we'll see how it works out. But if, if the country is behind it, Congress will be behind it. Yeah, and by the way, Estonia is buying the HIMARS rocket launchers from the U.S., and I think Poland bought some of those. They're pretty neat-looking things. They're uh, they're on a truck, and it's it's got multiple launchers on the back, and it kind of you can you can put the thing up like a garbage d- dump truck, but only the front comes up instead of the back. And I think they have a range of about 180 miles. And so Estonia, as you know, is one of the Baltics. So there's Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, which were formerly part of the uh, Soviet Union. And when the wall came down, they quickly skedaddled from the from the uh, the Warsaw Pact and became them their own countries. They're on the Baltic Sea. They're in NATO. Are they, are they joining NATO? Is that is that where we yeah, are with them? NATO. They are in NATO. They are in NATO now. Okay. They are in NATO. I think it's Finland and Sweden that are joining. Hmm. The Swedes have been at peace for over 200 years, and finally they're coming to their senses and realizing that, you know, if the Russians take over the Baltics and take over Finland, they might be knocking on Sweden's door. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, this is a pretty neat system, and I think the Poles bought some of these too, so I th- it's it's meant to be a deterrent in case the Russians say, well, hey, you know, while we're over here, let's just go see what's going on in Estonia, see if we can whack those people too. Nah, they're not going to touch a NATO country. I think that errant missile that hit Poland scared them more than anything else. Yeah, and because I'm sure behind the scene we said, hey, any more of this, and we're moving in. Yeah, you don't get a second chance on that one. You get a second chance. Poles but- are still pretty upset. Well, I don't blame them, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of fear that instability in in, uh, Europe 
would result from the Russians winning this war. Uh, it would certainly put a strain not only on, on Poland and uh, some of the other former Soviet states or nations, but also the Germans are going to have to be worried about it. The, the price of oil and, and liquid gas would certainly go up because the Russians could dictate to them then. And uh, that would undermine their economy, which would undermine a lot of the European Union economy, since Germany and France are the two biggest economies. I'm sure Germany is way bigger than France. Well, it all suck the he'll all suck us down eventually. The whole world, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll suck the whole world down. Uh, and so we've we've got to stand up. And I think that the American uh, sentiment is uh, not only correct, but I think it's. Uh, uh, it's uh, prescient and insightful that people realize that if we don't stand up here, if we don't um, take a stand with the Ukrainians and help them win this war, the world's going to be in real jeopardy. Uh, a lot of people still think that this is an invitation to the Chinese to invade Taiwan and uh, the Russians to take more liberties in the area there if they are allowed to do what they want to do. So we don't want that. We can't let them have the Sudeten land. We cannot. I mean, and we can't let Germany have it either. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that was a, we learned that lesson once. So let's yeah. Well, they, you know, they. Uh, well, that was Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain, and uh, and peace in our time and all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> no you know, kidding. Appeasement doesn't work, Ken. No, it doesn't. Never will. Never will. And I never could convince the mothers of that with Zeke. They're like. Oh, don't do this. Don't give him that until he does his homework and this and that. And all of a sudden, you know, they're giving the little critter ice cream and all this. I said, he didn't do his homework yet. He didn't clean up his room. And oh, No lesson learned. Exactly. Love him and we feel sorry for him. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> no, we can't let him get away with it. And I think that China probably is, might be having second thoughts on Taiwan, watching what's happening here in Ukraine. Well, they better. Yeah. They better because... The Taiwanese have a lot more resources than the Ukrainians. Uh, you know, they're fairly uh, they're fairly technologically advanced. I mean, the Ukrainians are too. They've got a lot of factories and and they manufacture a lot of uh, high tech parts. And of course, they have nuclear facilities, uh, nuclear power plants, and so that they're pretty they're pretty advanced. But you know, the the Taiwanese they're they're armed to the teeth for a little island nation they, they've got their own air force and navy they've got some they don't have much but they got a few things and we can certainly sell them stuff in a hurry we got to protect those computer chips yeah we got to protect the taiwanese too i mean you know we got to have some dim sum over here from time to time but mm. uh, so the uh the situation is it it's Difficult, but I wouldn't say at this point it's precarious for the world, but I think that we must stand up and we must continue to stand up. And I think we're doing that. I think we are. So if the uh, Ukrainians try to take, uh, was it Crimea, what happens then if they take it? Well, then they get Sebastopol and, and the whole little peninsula back and everybody can go there in the summer and lay on the black sand beaches and, uh, you know, in the 60 degree weather and act like they're having a real summer. Will the Russians accept that, though? I mean, what what, what kind of response? Would that prevent, would they consider that I don't know, uh, trampling on their foreign territory now, and would that justification for a nuclear attack? 
Well, they better not. I mean, you know, if if they go nuclear, it's going to be like we told Saddam Hussein when we went in uh, the first time. I think uh, it was uh, Baker who was uh, Bush one's Secretary of State, and he said, "You use weapons of mass destruction, and we're going to nuke you back to the Stone Age." Now, I I don't think we really would have, but uh, just the threat of that made him go bury all of his. Uh, chemicals in the desert which we dug up and said oh this is just bug spray <laughs> yeah big bug spray <laughs> big americans <laughs> who are bugging us <laughs> but they didn't use weapons of mass destruction they didn't use any uh, gases or nerve gas or mustard gas or phosgene or anything else so they they got the message yeah in the end you get what you give you know what i mean yeah and you know i, I don't think we have a plasma weapon yet but if I were president, I'd develop that first, and I'd say, you drop a nuke on the Ukrainians, and I'm going to plasma, plasma eyes all of uh, Moscow. It won't, won't exist anymore. Okay, tell, tell me about a plasma bomb. I'm not, I'm not uh, familiar with one of those. Well, we now know that there's, we used to think there were three states of matter, uh, solid, uh, liquid, and gas. But we know now if you can superheat, uh, let's say you take um, a simple atom, like hydrogen, and you superheat that, that the electrons and the uh, protons will separate, you know, the positive and negative parts of the atom will separate. And what you'll have is this plasma of, of subatomic particles in a mishmash and kind of like in a bowl of soup. And uh, if you drop that on someone or something, when it comes in contact with, uh, with, with solid material, it will create a tremendous... Uh, uh, reaction, heat, and explosion. And so, but no nuclear activity. No, there's no nuclear. But I'm working on the plasma bomb. I've given up on my nuclear warhead, uh, so I'm going to start on the plasma weapon in the garage okay. right after Christmas, because we got to put all the <laughs> Christmas decorations away. Dad. Well, I'll, I'll take away. I'll take one if you got one ready. Whenever you're ready. It, when I get it ready, I'll let you know, and everybody can have one for next Christmas. <laughs> get some little ones and send them out. All right, a new weapon. Well, that sounds like fun. So, so I'm taking a nap. You know, I'm, I'm, I work hard in the morning, grab a bite of lunch with the guys in the lunchroom, and then I run over to the office. I take a little thirty minute nap, forty five minute nap. I've been napping since I was a baby after lunch. That's just the way it is. Are they good for you, naps? Well, it depends on which research you read, but they're good for me. I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, so, at any rate, I'm taking a nap and. For some reason, I woke up a little early, and my my ultrasound tech was there. She was doing echocardiograms and carotid ultrasounds and looking for clots and veins and all that. And uh, she said, oh, you got to come here and look at this blood clot in this guy's leg. And I'm like, holy shit, where is he? Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> I hope you bleeped that out. Unfortunately, um, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any, so I said... Uh, where is he? And she said, well, he's going out. I said, well, go get him. You know, he's got a blood clot in his leg. We can't let him leave without being treated. So she ran out the door and brought him back in. And uh, he had a nice clot in his leg. And, you know, those things can be fatal, Ken. If you get a big enough clot that flies off of a vein in your legs or your pelvis and goes through your heart to your lungs uh, and it clogs up a major artery in your lungs, you can go into shock and die. So uh, we got him back in and treated him. But 
you've got to think about what causes blood clots in the legs and how serious they really are. Now, we all form little clots all the time in our body and we break them down because we have a system where we clot and we declot. And the reason we have that is because there's always microscopic tears and blood vessels that have to be plugged up. You know, just the, the, the daily functions of life make it so that uh, you, you have little itty bitty traumas all the time. But when you get a big clot and you, and you don't break that down, it can break off and go sailing. So the things that predispose us to that are certain inherited diseases of, of, of the clotting mechanisms, trauma, uh, surgery, you know, like hip and, and, and pelvic and knee surgery. And, uh, uh, of course, sitting for a long period of time on an airplane ride. Uh, there's a, a number of things that can add insult to the to the venous system in the lower extremities. Pregnancy is another big deal, Ken, because you got this, uh, you know, you got this bowling ball that's sitting on top of your pelvic veins while you're walking around. And I would say that one of the saddest things I've seen was years ago, uh, we had a woman come in, 37 years old, and she just had a baby, and she was a little bit overweight, and so she had a lot of predisposing factors, and she came in with a blood clot in her lungs, and uh, she died the next day. I oh. mean, it was, it was pretty sad, a big lawsuit, too. And what... We can do not only is put you on blood thinning medicine, but if it's big enough and it's bad enough and you're in shock, we have medications that can break it down the clot immediately, clot busting medicine. We also have uh, the ability to put a catheter into the right side of the of the heart and through out to the lungs, and we can actually uh, suck out some of these clots. Now we have all kinds of neat things, but uh, it's still a, a big killer. You know, it's still a big killer, and it, and sadly. It affects not only old people, but also young people and women who are postpartum. And so uh, we have to be very careful about that. We do have treatment for it. Uh, we have the blood thinners like Coumadin, Warfarin. We have the newer ones like Xeralto and Eliquis. Uh, the problem with Xeralto and Eliquis, if you don't have the proper insurance, is that they're extremely expensive. You know, they're about 500 bucks a month. And most of my patients can't afford that. Now, I know you can, Ken, because oh, yeah, sure. you're making such big money there. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so this is a big problem and one that, that needs attention. So if you do have swelling in your legs or if you've had trauma or you're concerned, you know, some of the symptoms would be pain in your calf, swelling, redness in your lower extremity, um, unexplained fast heartbeat if the clot's broken off and gone to your lungs. A lot of times that's the only symptom that you'll have is an abnormal heartbeat, shortness of breath, chest pain. All these things can be signs and symptoms of an acute blood clot that has broken off and gone into the lungs. So you want to be careful with those, Ken. So get to the hospital immediately if you get something like that. Yeah, or if you're not too sick, come see Dr. Bill yeah, so I, sure. I can get I'll get to the hospital. <laughs> we'll start with Doc, and then we'll go to the hospital. Now, the thing about the warfarin Coumadin is that uh, although it's very cheap, uh, you still have to come in and have your blood uh, clotting time checked until we get it regulated, and then after that, once every three to four weeks. And uh, you have to be fairly reliable. So when we get really, really older patients who are a little demented, we are careful not to give them that. And if they don't have insurance, and we'll put them on something milder, but we know that it's not as effective as the uh, as the big time blood clotters. 
So that's that's that, and I just wanted to share that with everybody because it was something that that came up in in a hurry, and um, we addressed it immediately. We got the guy on Coumadin, and he's coming back Monday or Tuesday to get his blood checked. So that's a good thing. Well, okay, I'll keep an eye on uh, my leg pain then. Yeah, yeah, and smoking predisposes you to it too. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it predisposes you to everything, doesn't it? You you almost got through the whole show without hearing me talk about smoking. Oh gosh, look at this. We only have about twenty five seconds left. Darn it, we could talk about smoking again. But um, let's give your phone number at the office that, instead. We are Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, seven two seven three eight four six four one one. Seven two seven three eight four six four one one. We're a full service clinic. We take Americans, we take Canadians, we take Europeans, we take travel insurance. And smokers, take, even. Well, smokers, Africans, Asians, we don't care. Bye, Doc. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at CanCareClinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.